Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This is Hard with the Parenting Naked Collaborative. We're so excited to have you all back and listening. We are so thankful to have you, and hopefully our podcasts are bringing some joy, some enlightenment, some inspiration, uh, some normalization, um, and hopefully we're hitting all the topics that you are curious about uh, and you're wanting to know about. So, um Welcome back. And we've got Danan Moore and Gretchen Levy here today. Hello, ladies. Hi, hi. Hello. Uh, I also have little Memphis here with me today. Uh, so if you hear him or hear his tablet, uh, please uh, don't mind it. Hopefully it won't be too loud. So um, today I was just sitting around thinking about... Um, Kind of the big major topics that I was curious about what families uh, often bring up or maybe their their top Google searches. And so I went to Google today and I typed in uh, the top questions for uh, parents or for couples who are considering having a family. And I went to familyeducation.com. I, I tried to find resources that uh, were uh, accurate, <laughs> not just so, you know, that ha that had some momentum behind them. And I, I liked the 10 questions. Um, but for me, and in and, and previous podcasts, we've talked about how we want to develop a more in intensive questionnaire before you have children with your partner, whoever your partner may be. So I think that these are good surface level questions that you should be talking to your partner about, whether it's your spouse, uh, partner, wife, husband, um, it doesn't matter uh, if you guys are doing in vitro or adopting, I think you should be having discussions um, about why do you want to have children and what are some of the questions that come up. So the very first question, which I thought was uh, interesting, um, is, is it just instinct? Like, is it instinct that we want to have kids <laughs> when we partner up? Um, or is it that we think that we should? Um, I, wait, I, I guess wait, I've wait. never asked myself I'm this question. So confused. Does this mean, <laughs> is it just instinct, like instinct to want to have children or instinct, like once you have a children, child, once you have a children, once you have a child, you just instinctually know what to do? I think it is asking with pregnancy, like, is it our instincts once we find a partner that we want to procreate? Like, is it, is it something that we instinctually feel like we have to do? Or is it something that, like, biologically we're like, okay, we should. Like, this is what we're meant to do. Um, I'm, on the side, I'm on the side of its instinct. Because for me, I didn't really think I wanted children. And then I met Sean and we got married. And a year later, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I want a child. And, and it was like, if we're going to have one, we need to have one now. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to wait, but I was dead set on before meeting Sean. No way. I'm never having children. I'm going to be that dog mom yeah. and not, you know, no way. So That's how I'm, I felt I'm, when I met Randall too. <laughs> I'm in that camp of, you know, I think it was okay. that some biological force pulled me. We were, we, were, we were duped by our spouses. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I always kind of, I don't know, I went through phases. I think I thought for a while that I didn't 
need to have my own biological children, but I did always think I'd be a mom. So, uh, but then I feel like once I met Adam, I did get on this track of thinking about having children. So maybe it is. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. So maybe that was a good first question. <laughs> um, okay. So the next one says, are our own parents pressuring us because they want to have grandchildren? Um, my sister already had a kid. So my, my parents had been grandparents for a really long time. So I didn't feel any, any pressure. Um, now, Randall's dad definitely wanted to have grandchildren. So I think Randall felt the pressure, but he had always wanted to have kids too. Um, but I didn't feel the pressure until like literally the day we got married and his dad was like, get it done. Um, at our wedding, which was really awesome. Um, so then there was some pressure there, but that was like the only pressure I ever felt um, from any parent of mine or Randall's to have kids. So that was never an issue for me. How about you guys? I would say a little bit of pressure, but not over the top. I had no pressure. In fact, it was the opposite. Don't make me a grandmother until I'm older. You know? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, so. See, look at all the spectrums, definitely. And I'm sure that that's what a lot of people have thought, right? Like, and I've known people that have gotten so pressured by their parents, so pressured by their parents that they have children um, to the point of exhaustion and anger. And I think where it's actually hurt their relationship a little bit. But yeah, I think there's probably some people out there whose parents are not very supportive around it. So yeah. Um, Hopefully, hopefully we all have supportive parents or at least supportive people in our lives that we can go to to get inspiration and support from. So, okay, so the third question is, are you ready for a career break in regard to um, in regard to um, who's going to stay home? So, you know, most women get at least um, six weeks of maternity and then. Uh, you know, now I think a lot of companies are getting better with paternal time off, paternity, which is nice. Um, but the question is, are, are you guys mentally ready to be away from work? Are you mentally ready to go back? Um, and, and gender roles, I added the gender roles in there. Like, does dad want to actually stay home for another six weeks? Or do you want an, a 12-week long break? I mean, what do you guys think about that? Are you ready for a career break? Well, I wonder how same-sex partnerships figure that out, too. I wonder if there's, like, That's true, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. like, who's, I don't know. There's probably some financial components. I mean, there are for most families. Um, I found it, I don't know, Danan, what your experience was, but I found that it, my career took less of an, it, it had less of an impact than I thought it would on, on my career. Yeah, yeah, for us, I was so young. I I had Andrew when I was 25 and Carter when I was 27. So it was like early on in my career. Um, so Sean and I decided to alternate our schedules or flip our schedules. And so if I was working at night, he was working during the day. And that's just the sacrifice we made. But to answer part of that question, I didn't even consider what it was going to feel like to be away from work for three months. That 
halfway into being on maternity leave with both of the boys, I hated it. I, I needed to be back at work and have adult interactions. And so I couldn't wait to get back to work. It was nice to be away from the babies. Um, but then I think for us, it was nice to have that peace of mind. I knew Sean was home with the kids if I wasn't. So we alternated and that made a big difference for our family. And it helped the finance side of it too. We both worked and saved money. So I'll put them on to nice. Yeah, Danan, I just so appreciate you saying that you were ready to go back to work because I think there's such a stigma and some shame and guilt for some, some people to admit that. For me, I always knew I had to go back. Like Randall and I just did not have the finances for one of us to not be working. And we both worked for a nonprofit, so our salaries were awful. Um, and I needed to go back. Like I absolutely loved Zoe, but being at, at home and just feeling... Like I wasn't contributing, feeling like um, I wasn't being connected to my friends and family. I mean, Gretchen, you know, was there a lot of the times and like we became our family at work. And so I really needed that emotional support at work um, that I was not getting at home. So I, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, but yeah, for us, like I, I, Randall would, would never go back to work if he had the opportunity. He would gladly be the stay home parent and was actually for a little bit. So we, we did talk about that. And so, but I think it's really important for families to discuss that because uh, depending on what your partner's like, there might be some traditional gender roles of where men feel like women have to stay home or need to stay home or women feel the same way. <laughs> Denon's not. <laughs> She's shaking her head now. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But you, you have to have these conversations because um, it's important. It's important to know what kind of gender roles um, are going to play out in a family unit once you have children. Yeah. And you don't want it to be a surprise because it might be a surprise you do not like. <laughs> yeah. And you should also so, talk to HR so you know what you get at your, with your employer. True. Because... Yeah. Um, some people have better benefits than others, and some people can take yeah. the full three months, and some people I've heard of like only get six weeks. Yeah. yeah. Me, you need the whole time. I needed the whole time, and I especially needed the whole time with my second because she had um, colic, and so my time, the quality of my time with her was so different that I found mm -hmm. that the three months felt so much shorter than the first maternity leave I had. Oh, definitely. Well, and it's different too, um, and I don't want to go too far off, but you had a C-section first. So your body, Gretchen, was recovering from that. And then you had the V-back, the second one. So recovery probably felt a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But mine was the opposite. I had a vaginal delivery that went very smoothly with Zoe. And so it was such a mindset going into having a scheduled C-section and my and not being able to adjust back so quickly so I was dealing with that of like oh my gosh like I had hoped to be up and moving and doing a lot of things and um, so yeah I think you really need to uh, be realistic about what your maternity time is going to look like yeah. <laughs> because sometimes we have very unrealistic expectations and that gets squelched pretty quickly <laughs> uh -huh. yeah um the other question is, can you afford it? <laughs> That's a tricky one. Probably mm -hmm. not, but you'll figure it out. 
Yeah. Is there oh, ever a perfect case scenario? I think things always come up that are, are unexpected. I think after we had Carter, Sean was laid off. I mean, you, you can't ever expect things are going to maintain, right? You, you don't have control over everything. So yeah, my rule of thumb is if you're ready to have children and your body's saying it, then you probably should just have children and it'll all, it'll all work itself out. It always does. Yeah. Yeah, it always does. I mean, even if you just have to budget differently, um, mm -hmm. I think the, the money comes and the Ooh, thing comes. So, um, also, you do not need to buy every new thing that the industry and marketing tells you you need to buy. Please, people, our landfills <laughs> are bulging with lots of plastic baby stuff. <laughs> Babies don't need much. They really, that first year, they don't need a whole lot. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and there's women out there, like we have a neighbor down the street who doesn't even have children and she has decided to collect all everybody's stuff that they don't use anymore. And so we literally can call her and be like, hey, do you have a stroller or do you have a high chair or do you have like six months awesome. clothes for? Yeah. And so there's people out there who are really like they're doing community things like that. So that's into the. Um, societal poll that you have to have everything brand new and everything pretty and perfect like it's a baby they have no idea what kind of stroller they're in no <laughs> no yeah. yeah um so the next question is have you got room or space for the baby no you do not <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is it in switzerland they literally send you home with the box no it's finland they to sleep in we need to get that here in the united states um, yeah yeah your place is big enough for a baby <laughs> i yeah. think again that first year the baby doesn't need much they don't take up much space but for mother's sanity or the couple's sanity and to get back on track with your personal life and your relationship, you need to have a space for the babies, I think separate from your personal space for sure. Yeah. 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 I was just, I was just joking earlier. I just am thinking about all the stuff you accumulate when you have a baby. Yes, you have room for a baby. With both of my kids, they were in my bedroom for six months each. Oh so, um, you don't need that uh, extra space until a while, a ways, a ways down the road, I guess. Um, but yeah. I don't know how people in cities like New York and San Francisco and places where property is such a premium and places are small. I don't know how they family. They could probably plan. do tutorials. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they put a baby in a closet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah, sure. Or, yeah, in a drawer or yeah. something. Someone's gonna write into us and think that I am an abusive parent, but I, you know. <laughs> so we're just talking about space utilization, right? Yeah. It's not like you're locking your baby in the closet. No, don't close the drawer. Yeah, Take the yeah, drawer don't out of the dresser. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, you guys. We're not encouraging bad parenting. We're just saying we, there's ways to find room for baby, we're right? Out loud. We're thinking out. That's right. <laughs> we live in Colorado. Our our space is a little bit greater. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this next I feel like should have been the first thing, uh, the first question on lesson. It's how strong is our relationship? 
And that that was just like the the question is how strong is our relationship? But I wanted to put on there like what are value systems? What are our ideas around um, like fr- outside friendships? Like are we ready to be parents? So like I think there are people out there who think that they can have a baby and then just reacclimate to their old life of like going to the bars and hanging out with their friends and and doing all that kind of stuff. So when I saw that is our relationship like you know good enough to have a child I think you really need to go into a lot of aspects like do you just want to have a kid because they're attractive and financially stable or do your value systems line up like are your guys's ideals the same that when baby comes that you guys both agree that you're going to be home most nights co-parenting or does dad and mom think that they're going to be yeah you bring a good point misty i i um have often wondered about the people that separate when they have a brand new baby. I mean, you know, like three months after baby was born, we broke up or we divorced or we whatever. And I've always thought to myself, like, what, what, what went wrong? And I know that there could be a thousand million different answers to that. Right. But you have to wonder if there was something that fundamentally fundamental differences before you decided to procreate that you couldn't then get beyond like kind of like you were describing like what if you hadn't asked questions beforehand and then you partner with somebody who thought they were going to stay out till two in the morning while you stayed home with the baby or something like yeah that would not work <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I mean, did you honestly have these conversations with your spouses before having kids? And, and I know that we, uh, the three of us are very thoughtful and, and, and about unplanned pregnancy. So if you have an unplanned pregnancy, uh, this topic really isn't for you. So if you're finding offense to what we're talking about, we're not talking about unplanned pregnancies. We're talking about like actual family planning. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely those gender roles and not even just gender roles, but yeah, like these expectations, even in, um, a a same sex couple, um, is there one that kind of is the more maternal figure in that relationship? And so they get stuck into this role of like, well, you're going to stay home and I'm still going to go out and go have a social life or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think these things really need to be discussed because it can put a big barrier and a huge strain on your relationship if you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Well, and I think this came up, um, our work life was a little wacky when we had Andrew, our first son, that Sean traveled and that was a way of our financial health at home. And so I think we could have even had the conversation of what is it going to look like when the baby comes and you are still traveling and I'm home five days a week without you. Uh, And so that was the beginning of our bringing Andrew home for those first few months. He still had to travel. And I was home with this new baby, you know, three or five nights a week by myself. And that was exhausting. Yeah. And so maybe socially we were committed to, um, making that lifestyle shift, but there was just that little 
you know, hiccup with work for a little bit where it was like, well, someone's got to be traveling and making money and whatnot. And so that we had to change that pretty quickly. But those are such important questions to ask. What, what is that time going to look like at home? Who's going to be <laughs> on home plate on first base on second? Who's ready? Exactly. You know, how are we yep. going to be like that for the next thing? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel pretty fortunate. You know, I've said it in earlier podcasts that you know, I was pretty clear with Randall, oh, equal opportunist that mm-hmm. we're in it together, that I'm not, I'm not going to be stuck in this gender role that I'm going to be the sole provider and sole caregiver that if I'm going to have kids, I'm doing it with a partner, a partner who wants to be invested and be there as much as I want to be there. And that that's worked out great. Um, and I'm glad that we had that conversation together. So that was good. Um, This next question, I think it's a really important one. It says, will it be easy to get pregnant? And Mm -hmm. I don't know, for me, I never, I never expected it to be as easy to get pregnant as it was, but I also never anticipated it being hard. And so did you, so it's interesting because there was a group of, of five of us girls that went to college together and only two, no, I guess three out of the five of us were able to have children. The other two women weren't, they, they couldn't have children for whatever reasons. And I was like, gosh, is that the statistic that three out of five may or may not have a hard time getting pregnant? And for other people, it can lot harder and were they emotionally prepared like Gretchen you said I was prepared for that like did that make that process easier or harder for you going into getting pregnant well I was prepped by a medical person um a gynecologist told me uh plan for it to take six months to a year And so that was in my head. So I was like, oh, okay, this is going to take a while. And so I acted quickly after we got married. I mean, it was important to me. And I know that doesn't, that isn't true for everybody, but that we'd be married first. So after that happened, I was like, well, let's not wait around because this could take a year. Well, it didn't. It took, (laughs) (laughs) it took one cycle and we were pregnant. So yeah. Um, I think it's wise for them to warn you that it can take a while. Um, I wasn't prepared for it to happen as quickly as it did, but very fortunate and, and happy for that. But um, yeah, <clears throat> for me, I was just ignorantly young and naive. So I didn't think about it. I got pregnant the first try. I mean, we just, it, it, it Sadly, I think I've said this in other shows, I think it was upsetting for Sean because we didn't get to try and try and try and try and, you know, it just came really easy for both boys. But yeah, I was so young. I just didn't even consider the thought of what if we couldn't get pregnant. And um, yeah, now being an older woman, I, I do feel bad for those folks that struggle to, to get pregnant or to maintain a pregnancy. So yeah. And my hope is that we can have um, a segment on IVF and, um, and and just really helping support people and say, you know, it's not easy for people and the depression and the sadness and the grief and loss that it comes um, with doing procedure after procedure and hormone after hormone, just really not getting pregnant. And, and can you and your partner withstand that if you know that that could be a possibility and what that looks like? So. Um, 
you know, we just want to be very mindful to that process that it, it, it is really challenging for some couples, especially good. So there's a lot of just beautiful couples out there that, you know, can't have children together and hopefully they adopt or go down a route that they feel good about. But, um, yeah. Okay, so the next question is, is life too good to change? So some couples look at our life is too good. For some people, that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I appreciate when people think that there isn't a place in their lives for children. If we all have that in, instinct, like we were talking before, that biological instinct. And um, I think that there, you know, nature has designed us to know if we're parent material or if we're not parent material, I hope in most situ situations. But yeah, for me, I wouldn't have ever considered after meeting Sean, getting married, and then wanting children, what it would be like if we didn't have them. Yeah, life seems pretty perfect right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I think, I think, I also think it's a choice, too. I think if you want life to feel better, you've got to do things to make it feel better. Um, you know, I think you can have a couple, and they feel like life is perfect, and if they both agree on that and don't want kids, that's fantastic you know but for some people they think their life won't feel fulfilled unless they do have kids so definitely have that question um another question is what what if we have twins oh gosh I thought about that because my dad's a twin and so there could have always been a chance I suppose I don't really understand genetics very well but if it was going to be a twin the first time, we would not have had another pregnancy. If it was twins the second time, I would have died. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it was. I was a little bit fearful of having twins just because. Um, I mean, Randall was open about this in um, the daddy boot camp, but he had been with a girl who he had gotten pregnant prior to us meeting, and she had been pregnant with twins. And, and lost the baby. So it, it was a reality of like, oof, uh, that could be, you could be, uh, you know, fertilizing two eggs. And so that was very, very worrisome, but we did not have twins. Thank goodness. I think I hoped for twins the first go around and then prayed not to get pregnant with twins the second. Because, you know, there's two, two would be like one shot and done. That's yeah, that's great. But then if you were trying for two and got three, that would be a little hard. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so then the last question they asked, um, do the genes fit? So just like gen genetic disorders and talking about it, which um, if you're concerned about genetic dispositions, we have a segment on that of what can you go get tested for prior um, but some people ought to not have children because they know that they carry a genetic disposition that could possibly be passed down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think bringing up genetics is an interesting thing. When I got pregnant, being so young, I don't think I would have given it a second thought. But if I were to be getting pregnant in my 40s or even my late 30s, say I, my life was different, um, I think I would have played or, or paid more attention to genetics and and looked at other options if we found that we had um, some genetic incompa incompatibilities. I think that I would have definitely considered adoption or 
surrogacy or something else, because I don't, I know myself, I don't think that I have the patience and the strength to take care of a child with severe needs. I think it would be really hard for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, yeah, just having that conversation because, you know, it, you never know what you're going to get, even if you're healthy and there's not a genetic that genetic disposition that we're aware of. But mm -hmm. yeah, if you, if you know, I mean, Shanda, my sister, she was on the um, teen pregnancy episode um, and she had to make that decision knowing that uh, the, the father of her child had a deadly disease um, that could have been passed down and she chose to keep the baby anyways. And luckily Tyler's fine, but that was a decision that she had to make. And again, that was an unplanned pregnancy. So this is something talking about a planned pregnancy and having these discussions with your partner yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the 10 questions and again this is on familyeducation.com um i had added a couple more questions um sorry a little memphis um i had added um why do you want to have kids i think that's important to talk about like you know why is do we feel like it's just something that we need to do? Like we feel like, uh, you know, like what are our expectations? Memphis has you on mute. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I was just saying like, ha did you talk to your, your partner about like, why, why do they want to have kids? What did he just say about your booby? Oh, I have no idea. He's just—he's—he's he's so bored. I know. <laughs> now he's just telling me that he bit my boob. He didn't mean okay. he just bit my shirt. Okay. Yeah, Gretchen. What about you? Did you guys talk about that? I'm not sure we did. Why do I want to? Why do we? Um, why do you want to have children? Yeah. No, we didn't. That's a, that's kind of a deep, very open-ended question, I think. And, and again, I'll go back to the same excuse. I was so young. There was just a different level of maturity. I think when I was in my early twenties, um, if I had to answer that question today, I now having two children and knowing how much joy it's brought to my life, um, it would be a very long answer, but I don't think we talked about it. Yeah, well, and that's why I'm just kind of posing this. The next one is super long, um, but again, just in depth. I think it's really important that you know how each of you were raised. Like, what was your own family of origin? Were they, was it happy? Was it chaotic? Were there stereotypical gender roles going on in the family? Were there discipline techniques that were used um, during that time? What kind of discipline techniques? Do you and your partner want? Um, you know, just these really important questions. Um, did you think about, like, when you have a little boy, like, do you expect to raise your boy as a boy? I'm using air quotes with a gender role or a girl. Um, what about sports and expectations around sport? Um, going to the games and going to everything. Did you guys ever talk about any of these things? Hmm. Um, kind of not in very specific terms like um, 
I know it was really important for Adam that our, our children would, we didn't know if they would boys or girls, but um, that they be in sports, team sports because of character building. And it just a lot about cooperation and, um, you know, putting effort in for a, for the greater good instead of just yourself and your own interests. Um, sure. But yeah, not much about- I remember, oh, sorry, Gretchen. Oh, I, I was just gonna say not much more than that. I think for us, um, we talked a little bit about our upbringings and, and that what, that's part of what prompted us to have our kids so quickly is because Sean was raised by his parents who were really old. They adopted in their mid to late forties, their children. And so Sean, his parents were already a few generations behind him. Um, and then as uh, raising their children, they were tired, they were older. And so I, I don't know, I just think we were intentional on giving our kids an experience where we could still be fully involved, not tired and kind of hip to current times. Um, and then I do remember, maybe this wasn't before children, but while our kids were young, um, having the conversation of, you know, if um, the boys weren't very masculine, how we would handle that. And we just kind of felt like, you know, if our boys end up, you know, being gay or, you know, having different gender type or whatever, we just go with the flow. We, we gave them this life and we're going to love them no matter what. So we did have some kind of conversation around that. It sounds like you guys had, I mean, some good, good conversations around this. I know for me, um, I really would have spoken more to Randall about disciplinary tactics. Um, it, it still continues to be a concern with our kids, especially as they get a little bit older. Um, you know, he very much believes in corporal punishment. And um, that, that's really hard when I know that corporal punishment doesn't work. And so um, we've definitely talked about needing to go see somebody for guidance and support about getting us on the same page um, with that. But I mean, I think that's huge. I mean, if you're you are with somebody who believes in corporal punishment and you just don't, or both of you are kind of passive parents or both of you, you know, are just on the same page. That's great. But if you're not on the can same page, that, that really can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that yeah. we talked about ways uh, of discipline, but fortunately we met in the middle and kind of had similar philosophies. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so definitely talk to your partner about all of these things because even if it doesn't seem important because you're, you're, you have an infant, they do start to get older. <laughs> that you'd start seeing acting out behaviors. Um, and it might take you quite by surprise the way that your spouse handles or doesn't handle something and going, oh my God, <laughs> we should have we talked about this beforehand and had a better understanding. In that same vein, it might surprise you how you handle it too, right? I think I've seen the worst of me come out sometimes. Well, in I'm children. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I have yep. too. And me. Yeah. So just the very last thing that I brought up, and then we will wrap up. Um, and that, and I mean, it looks like we've got two more segments talking about once baby comes and then uh, 
teenagers questions to ask one another. But the other one is just or, um, or to ask Anon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Right. Um, or just like what unspoken expectations and spoken expectations about duties with baby when baby comes. Well, I think that there's two parts to that. There's the philosophical, like how do we plan to distribute duties? Okay. And then yep. there's the reality of what everybody is actually capable of. <laughs> so um, I was surprised by, I get like, you know, breastfeeding is so intensive and it's, um, it's round the clock and dad can't do that um, unless you're bottle feeding. And so I don't think that I was like mentally prepared for how much of the caregiving I was going to be providing. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I went into it thinking like things are going to be very um, divide, like 50, 50. Um, there was going to be a lot of division of labor and it actually couldn't work out that way because of just the nature of breastfeeding. So that, that one was a little bit complicated. I think I had a different, I think we both had something different in mind than actually played out. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that happens quite a bit. I think with people who go down the breastfeeding route, because Randall and I talk about that often too, of he was just like, I'm so useless. Uh, you know, I can't really get up with you in the middle of the night unless I'm just sitting with you. Um, and so he, if I was super tired and was like, can you just get up with me? He would, he would be very supportive in that, in that aspect. But, um, you know, I think sometimes for partners, it might be an opportunity for them to check out unintentionally or like leave and not come back for a while. Cause they're just like, oh, well, she's breastfeeding. And so she's got this. So the, having conversations about that, like, do we have expectations when we are breastfeeding? Like, is our unspoken expectation that they're doing dishes or making dinner or doing laundry, but we're just not talking about? So, yeah, hopefully you guys can just open the conversation prior to having kids instead of when you're in the mix of it, trying to get to know one another, if you have time to talk about it. Just so. listen to this episode while you're on a long drive and then just <laughs> force your partner to answer every question after we bring it up. <laughs> yeah, so that's too funny. That's one way to do it, right? <laughs> well, okay. oh, I, just, I just thought we'd check this out. This, uh, this is hard podcast. That's right. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for your support. We value you. We value that you are wanting to have kids and are having kids. And uh, we are thankful for you. And um, thank you very much. We hope that you guys all have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to This Is Hard, our podcast celebrating the hilarious, beautiful, horrific, mysterious, untold, unspoken, disgusting, and amazing adventures of becoming and being a parent. Brought to you by Misty White, Gretchen Levy, and me, Danan Moore. To learn more about This Is Hard, our podcast, follow our organization, Parenting Naked Collaborative, on the web at parentingnaked.com, on Facebook or Instagram at Parenting Naked. Thank you, and until next time, be well.